People think missionaries are crazy. I became a missionary when I was two years old. My mom and dad took my older brother Steve and I halfway across the world to live in Indonesia. It was 1968. Uh, kind of crazy times in our country too. Well, as we grew older, my mom would tell us the stories. The stories of what the church ladies would say to her. They would pull her aside in the hallway or stop her in the parking lot and they would share their strong opinions with her about this whole business. Like, the ladies in the church were appalled that she would even consider taking her babies to the wild jungles of South Sumatra. They would be like, what kind of crazy woman does that? What kind of crazy woman takes her babies where savages eat dogs and, and ride water buffaloes? Well, I'll tell you what kind of person does that. It's the kind of person who's madly in love with God and who knows that uh, the joy and life that is found in Christ that it needs to be shared and that that story needs to be shared with anybody in the world, anybody on the planet who doesn't know that kind of joy, who doesn't know that kind of love. Um, my mama was crazy like that and my daddy was too. Saul, he was crazy like that too. Saul was a madman. He was madly in love with God. He, Saul loved God. He loved God's ways. Saul loved God's people, loved his faith. And he became this passionate keeper of that faith. But in our story now, he's quite literally a madman, as in he's furiously mad. And he's mad at the followers of Jesus. He's angry with them because He's, he's convinced that uh, these Christians are, are out to destroy Judaism. They're out to destroy everything that, that Saul holds dear. And so his anger, in his anger, uh, he went after them. Now, in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, That day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. Now, that day uh, refers to the day that, that Stephen was stoned. And that's the story that you read in Acts chapter 7. Um, so that day, severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. And this is when we meet Saul. But Saul was raving, ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women and he committed them to prison. And so in our text, in Acts chapter 9, we find Saul breathing threats and murder on his way to Damascus. So uh, this, this Greek word that's translated persecution, it's diagamos, which literally means to chase or to pursue. And so Saul was in hot pursuit. Well, something happened on the way to Damascus. Uh, Paul, or Saul, he later is named Paul. Um, he discovers that God is in hot pursuit. 
So Jesus shows up. Saul is knocked to the ground. And his life is never the same again. And so he becomes blind. He's blinded by the light. And the men that were with him, um, they lead him blind into Damascus. And our story says that uh, he was in Damascus for three days, uh, completely blind. Now, meanwhile, God speaks to his servant Ananias. So enter Ananias into the story. I I want us to imagine what it would have been like to be Ananias. God says to Ananias, I want you to find Saul and I want you to go and lay hands on him. He's praying in a particular place, street calls straight. Um, God gives him the address. Well, Ananias resists. He's like, well, uh, I don't care if he's praying or not. He didn't really say that, but you know, imagine it. Ananias says to him, this is, this is Saul. This dude is evil. You know what he's doing. And he's powerful. Uh, this is God's response to Ananias' resistance. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So, in other words, God says to Ananias, I've recruited him to be a missionary. It's crazy. Well, as we continue to read the story, beyond the the passage that we read today, um, we realize that all of Saul's friends were like, what is this madness? As in, he's lost his mind. He's joined the heretics. So the hunter became the hunted. The Jews plotted to kill him. Saul had to flee for his life. And he became the greatest missionary that ever lived. It's missionary madness. The early church, because of the persecution, they were on the move. They were forced to leave home and they were scattered. And what happens is that along the way, they tell the stories of Jesus. They tell anybody who will give them an ear, anybody who will listen, about the joy that is found in Christ, the life that is found in God's ways, and the love that embraces them. And what happened is, thousands of people became believers and started following the way of Jesus. Well, when the church in Jerusalem hears about it, they start recruiting missionaries, and it gets crazy. We're gonna spend these weeks in the month of August uh, living with these missionary stories. When I was um, in the doctoral program, uh, kind of my mindset, um, this was not quite 30 years ago, um, about the mission field. You know, I think, Over the centuries, uh, the the church has developed this way of thinking or this idea that the mission field, um, it's far away. Like, the mission field is Africa or India or or maybe somewhere really close to home like Brazil or Paraguay. Um, Well, uh, that's kind of 
where I was sitting at the table in anthropology class in this doctoral program. Um, we were assigned a, a book by Leslie Newbegin called The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, uh, missional ecclesiology and, and the, the theology of, of missions. And one of the things that I remember from that class was that the mission field is no longer just far away, but that it's actually in our backyard. In the 21st century, the mission field resembles the mission field from the first century. We just go out our back door. To be a missionary still has a global agenda, of course, but it most definitely means um, that we venture out in, into our backyard. We venture into our backyard and do the missionary thing. Uh, last week I shared with you all the, the story of the, the Friendship House. Um, I, I tried to tell you the, the origin story as best I could and I knew I wouldn't get it completely right. Um, so what I didn't say was part of that story was that our missions committee, uh, Carrie Brown was the chair at the time, they as a group began to envision ways that even in our own backyard uh, we could be missionaries for God's kingdom. Um, uh, Ralph and Donna Brashi were an, an integral part of, of that uh, initial ministry. And, and you know, as I thought about that, uh, Ralph and Donna are passionate about our fair trade coffee. You know, um, every week we drink the fair trade coffee. Every week there's an opportunity to buy it. Where uh, and that's kind of a mission thing, which is why I wanted to mention it. Like there is this concern and compassion and, and action taken towards farmers in some faraway place so that they can, they can get a fair price, so that they can have what they need to care for their families and so on. We venture into our backyard. We just go right across the street and we play bingo with the residents in the towers and we develop friendships with the people in our community that, that might be lonely, that might need a friend. We venture into our backyard when we go half a mile down Pigeon Street that way. And where we, where we read to the kids uh, in, in the after-school program there at the Pigeon Multicultural Development Center. We do the missionary thing because Jesus shows up and knocks us to the ground and we are uh, awakened to God's presence. We discover that God is in hot pursuit of us and we fall madly in love with God and and we're not blind anymore and you know when you really love someone you do the crazy things that you know your lover wants you to do and there's a bit of madness to the whole thing but I believe the insanity begins when the church says stuff like, we can't do that. You can't take your babies to the jungle. Who does that? Well, we do that. And it starts right here at the table of grace. Amen.